you haven't already, grab your Bible, turn to John chapter 14. This morning we are continuing a sermon series that we've been in for the last seven weeks called I Am. And what we've been doing and what we will be doing today is we're considering the teachings of Jesus about who He is. The claims of Jesus to be God with us. The claims of Jesus to be God's Savior for us. The claims of Jesus to be our Redeemer and our Lord. And on this Resurrection Sunday, we look particularly at a passage that calls us to Him. The central verse here is verse 6 and 7. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have also known my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So in this verse that's central to our passage, Jesus is saying this, I am the way to God. You want to know God You must come to Him through me. I am the way to truth. You want to know what is true and what is believable and what is right and what will be true for all time. Come to me. I am the truth and the life. I am everlasting life, and I am the giver of everlasting life. This is the claim of Jesus. Now let's put that into a Resurrection Sunday context, because Jesus is going to make this claim, and then one of the disciples, Philip, is going to say, well, show us the Father. And in essence, what he's saying is, those are great claims, but but show us a work of God. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So all my works are the works of God. But look at verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. Jesus is saying to one of his close followers, one of his twelve disciples, Remember all the things that I've done, all the miracles that I've performed, all the things that only God could do that I've done. Remember that. Now Jesus said this just a few days before His death. But take verse 11 and lay that on Resurrection Sunday. Believe on account of the works themselves. He's alive. Do you want to know how I can promise To give you life? Because I've defeated death. Here I am. So the resurrected king says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so here's the truth this morning that I want you to get out of this message. Jesus Christ is our only hope of 
knowing God, of being forgiven of our sin, and of finding everlasting life. Jesus Christ is our only hope of knowing God, of being forgiven of our sin, and of finding everlasting life. Now let's look at the passage together and let's see what it offers to us. So if you're taking notes at home today, the first point is hope for the troubled. Hope for the troubled. Yesterday, a pastor in New York City posted online a very helpful message. I hope that when you talk about the resurrection tomorrow, you do so in a way that doesn't make light of or belittle the hardship and the suffering and the pain in our world right now. I think he was right. And when you look at this passage, what you see is Jesus is not offering himself as the way and the truth and the life in a way that belittles the hardship and the pain and the suffering that is in the world. Rather, he's looking and staring that hardship right in the face and he's saying, I overcome all the hardship. That's why he begins in verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Now, you don't have to study the Bible for years to understand that when the Bible says, don't be afraid, that's probably because the people hearing it were afraid. And when the Bible says, don't let your hearts be troubled, that's because Jesus knew that his disciples' hearts were troubled. And what he says is, Knowing me, belonging to me, being my child is the path through trouble. The setting of this passage is fear and doubt. Jesus is about to be arrested. Jesus has told his disciples that he will die. And the tension is rising and his disciples can feel it. Trouble is in the air. And Jesus is giving this farewell discourse and in giving it and in saying, I am the way and the truth and the life and saying, I have defeated death. He is not avoiding trouble, but rather he is looking it right in the face. So our resurrection joy this morning is not intended to be a faux joy pretending that life is not difficult. Rather, our resurrection joy is intended to be staring reality right in the face. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm quarantined. I'm scared. I'm lonely. I'm afraid. I'm sick. I'm dying. I'm afraid of the next life. I'm depressed. I'm filled with anxiety. I don't know where to turn. I don't know how my family's going to be provided for. Those are all very real things right now. 
And, and resurrection joy doesn't have to be faux covering to that. It's not icing on a cake of nastiness, but rather it can look that nastiness right in the face and say, there's hope for you because Jesus knows your suffering. He knows your trouble. He knows your reality and he has overcome it with his own life. Our resurrection joy is looking reality and trouble squarely in the face and declaring this. Jesus is greater. And I will walk with Him. Friends, reality and trouble and hardship may be a loud word in our world, but it does not have the last word. Christ does. Note what he says, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now as we said many times running through the Gospel of John, believe is not a cognitive word. It's not a factual word alone. It's not, well, accept the facts of the story. But rather, believe is a relational word. It's a, it's a personal word. It's a, a trusting word. It's a I'm with you word. And so, so what Jesus says is, in the face of your trouble, run to me. In the face of your trouble, I will carry you through. In the face of your trouble, you can depend upon me. So believing God is not this, this call to a faith that doesn't allow the honesty of fear. But rather, it's a call to look at fear and say, Jesus is greater. He's greater. To look at fear and say, I have a hope that transcends anything this world can give me. Jesus is greater. So this passage was intended as hope for the troubled, not as pie-in-the-sky faux happiness. Because real happiness and real joy and real Fruit come when we find Jesus in the midst of our hardship. And what I'm praying for all of us today is that we'll find a death to self and resurrection life in our hardship today because of Jesus. How do we do that? That leads to the second point. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Again, I said the key verses are verses 6 and 7. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. There's four really important points about this passage. Run to Jesus. Why should we run to Jesus? Why should we run to Jesus? Number one, because He is the I Am. We run to Jesus because He is the I Am. 
at the beginning of verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and life. I am is not just um, accidental grammar. What we've learned throughout the Gospel of John is, is what Jesus was doing and was known by those in his time, particularly those who were of Israel, is Jesus was actually taking the name of God. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God was asked by Moses, what is your name? And, and God said to Moses, my name is I am. And so when Jesus says, I am, using this phrase, ego ami, what he's saying is, I'm claiming to be divine. Claiming to be divine. The subtlety might be missed by us, but it was very clear. So clear that in John 8, when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, the Jewish leaders picked up stones to hurl at him because they knew he was claiming to be God. So we run to Jesus because he has claimed to be God. And either he is or he isn't. But if he is, we run to him because he is God with us. Second, we run to Jesus because of what he claims about himself in this passage. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way where? The way to the Father. You look at verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5. What we see is Jesus is talking about going to be with the Father. He's talking about preparing a place for His children. And He's talking about bringing a people with Him to dwell in the presence and the place of the Lord forever. And He's saying, there's one road there. I'm the road. I'm the way. If you want to know the Father, you come through Me. I'm the truth. I am that which is real. I am that which is always right. I am that which can be trusted. I am the truth. And I'm the life. I am the giver of life that transcends this world. And on this Resurrection Sunday, we see that even death, physical death, does not put an end to the life that Jesus offers. He is the life. So we run to Him because He is the way to God. He's the way to the Father. He's the hope of the world. Third, we run to Him because He is the blessing. We run to Him because He is the gift. Look with me up at these first few verses again. Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. Now here He's talking about the heavenly realm, what we would call heaven. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to Myself, that where I am you may be also. But look at what he's saying there in verse 3. He's saying, don't get all sentimental about heaven. Don't get all sentimental about who you might be reunited with there and how 
awesome it might be and how perfect it might be. The, the gift of heaven is that we're with Jesus and we're in the presence of the Father forever. The purpose of the place is for us to dwell with Him. I'll come again and I'll take you to me. All the other things about who's there and about how joyful it'll be and about what it will be like, those are all the fruit of being in the presence of God. We run to Jesus because He is the gift. The gift is to know Him. The gift is to be forgiven and accepted by Him. The gift is to be loved by Him. The gift is to see His eternal glory. Don't get lost in all the sentimental stuff. We run to Jesus because He is the gift. Our eternal joy flows through who Jesus is. He is a creator. He is a Lord. He is the one who cares for our souls and watches over us. He is the one who will tenderly nurture His children for all time. He is the glorious one. He is the one who is called worthy. He is the one who will be praised forever. And our highest joy is found in Him. So we run to Him now. Fourth, we run to Him. Because he reveals the Father to the world. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, do you know him and have, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip says, really? Show us the Father. Have we seen him? And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so what Jesus is saying is, I have made God known the world. Everything that you need to know about God, you can find through me. Everything you need to know about his character, his nature, his work, his purpose, his plan, his redemption, you can know through me. So in effect, with the I am formula, with the no one comes to the Father except through me, with the gift of eternal presence with him, and with the promise that he's made God known, what Jesus is saying is, really, there's nowhere else to run. You can run to me, be found in me, have your sin forgiven, be given everlasting life, live forevermore with me, know my blessing and my power and my work, or you can stand on your own in your trouble. You decide. So by way of application this morning, I want to ask you this. This passage is intended to really put two things before us. So application question number one. How many ways of knowing God exist? This is a theoretical question answered with Scripture answered with wrestling, answered with debate, answered with thought. But Jesus would say this, there's really only one way to know God, me. There's really only one way to be forgiven of your sin, me. There's really only one way to have everlasting life, me. There's really only one way to stand in the truth, me. There's really only one way to see and enjoy God's glory, me. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we must wrestle with the question. 
Will we accept Jesus at his word? I don't want to stop in the merely theoretical, though, because the goal is not that we believe on paper, but that we believe in our soul. So that leads to the second question. How many ways of salvation am I pursuing? How many ways of salvation am I pursuing? And this is not a question of of theology on paper. It's a question of practice. It's a question that's answered in prayer and accountability and soul searching. How many ways of deliverance am I pursuing? Am I pursuing God through religious performance? Then I'm not standing in Jesus. Am I pursuing God by denying myself of things, hoping that I can stack the decks evenly? Then I'm not standing in Jesus. Am I pursuing the God of pleasure and just trusting that, that if I can be happy now, it'll all work out in the end? Then I'm not standing in Jesus. To stand in Jesus is to say, I've sinned against God. There would be no hope for me except that Christ died and rose again. And I run to him as the way, the truth, and the life. And I cling to him and I say, Father, accept me into your presence because your son died for me. That's what it means to stand in Jesus. And when he said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That's what he meant. Stand in me. Trust in me. Cling to me. Give up everything of this world to know me. Now, friends, I wish I could sit down with every one of you and and, and eyeball to eyeball over a cup of coffee say, how many ways are you trusting? So if you're on this live stream today, And these claims of Jesus are new to you. Or maybe they're not new to you, but you're just wondering, how can I take a step? You can take a step like this. You can pray. God, I believe you're real. I know that I'm sinful. Help me see how much. I believe Christ died for sinful people like me. Help me to be found in him. You can pray that right now. If you do pray that, you got to let somebody know. Let me know. Let somebody know. Or maybe you're just like, Jamie, you're assuming a whole lot right now. i got a whole bunch of questions. A book that served us really well here at Redeemer is a book called Basic Christianity by John Stott. Just say, I'd like a copy of Basic Christianity, and we'll get it to you. We'll read it with you. We don't have anything else to do right now besides Zoom with you about Basic Christianity, so we'd love to do that as well. Consider these claims of Christ today. And those of us who 
came to this live stream this morning saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. I just want to ask you, look at your life. If we studied your life this week, would we see someone clinging to Jesus as our only hope or clinging to a whole lot of other things? Cling to him. So now our Father and our God, would you teach us by showing us Christ and by filling us with this resurrection hope that he will live forever and in him is everlasting hope. Oh God, would you do your work, we pray in Jesus' name.